Welcome. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Living with author and teacher Francois Feinberg. May the message you're about to hear earnestly touch your heart, and may it encourage you in your ongoing love of God the Father, your enjoyment of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your fellowship in both the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. The first picture we have of the Holy Spirit is in the book of Genesis. And the Spirit is there called the Hovering Spirit. Some translations may even say the Brooding Spirit. That is, the Spirit is brooding over the surface of the deep. And the image there is of a hen brooding over her eggs. And of course, the intention of the brooding is to hatch and to bring forth. In Genesis chapter 1, there is this chaotic condition of the earth. And as the Spirit begins to do a work, the Spirit who is the medium of God to work in this earth, you will see that the very first thing the Spirit does, if we can put it into spiritual language, is that He gives light, that is, revelation. The second thing is He separates and causes a division. In spiritual language, we call that consecration. The third thing the Holy Spirit will do is to bring forth vitality. In spiritual language, we call that expression. The fourth thing the Holy Spirit does is to intensify the light. The fifth thing is to conform, that is to make a man in the image of God. In spiritual language, we call that sanctification, confirmation, transformation. And the last work, if you will, which is not even a work in the Genesis account, is that God rested. In spiritual language, we call that completion or glorification. I want to take you through the initial picture of the Holy Spirit in the book of Genesis and show you through prophetic overtones what the Spirit of God was doing and how it applies even to this day in the believers of Jesus Christ, the sons and daughters of God, how the same hovering and brooding spirit is even over us to facilitate all these many um, dynamics of the spiritual life. Pay close attention because it is extremely relevant to you and I's spiritual journey in Jesus Christ. Genesis is the book of beginnings. And if there's anything that we want to talk about in the spiritual life, we have to begin at the beginning. So I want to introduce to you the work of the Holy Spirit immediately from Genesis chapter 1. And I have to do it real briefly and succinctly. So follow along with me. 
whatever Bible you have, uh, do the best we can to sort of uh, talk the same uh, English here. But um, turn to Genesis chapter 1, and verse 1, 2, and following. So follow along with me. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. It says, And the earth became waste. Your Bible may use the word chaos, chaotic. It says, The earth became waste and vacant. My Bible uses the word emptiness. There's a picture forming here, um, however you believe creation was established. But you have a little bit of a picture here that God created. Then there's a process somehow of the earth becoming waste. Your Bible may even use the word chaos or useless. It says the earth now becomes in a way uh, formless. It was void. It was empty. It was vacant. And if you read a little bit on, you see that the earth also is now dark. There's darkness on the earth. It says on the surface of the deep. And immediately in verse 2, you have to admit that there's some semblance of chaos here, some semblance of disarray. Things are not quite orderly. It's almost as though things are a little bit disjointed. And in this dark condition, and in this disjointedness, in this vacancy, this emptiness, in this void, this uselessness, notice the very next phrase in your Bible. It says that the Spirit of God was brooding, hovering, some Bibles might even say, over this chaotic condition. That is, in the midst of vacancy, emptiness, uselessness, formlessness. I don't know how your Bible says all those words. But in the midst of all that, there is the Spirit of God to do something. And it sets up a principle that I want to ask you to mean business with. The medium that God employs to do a work in this earth is the Holy Spirit. I want you to notice here, vacancy, formlessness, chaos. And God is wanting to do something in this earth. You're about to read that He's going to say, let there be light. And you're going to see what's going to happen. But the medium, the agent, if you will, that God uses to interact with this earth and to do something in this earth ever since the beginning has been the Spirit of God. So right here, we see a pattern that evolves throughout the entire Scripture that if God is to do something in this earth, He shows up by way of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says very clearly, that no man has ever seen God the Father. 
It's as though God the Father stays invisible. At one point, we saw God the Son. Even in the Old Testament, we had a few appearances where God the Son actually showed up. But in the Gospels, God the Son became visible for some 30 to 33 odd years and then was taken away. So God the Father definitely is involved, but He's never visible, so to speak. God the Son has been involved, but in a limited way, so to speak. But God the Holy Spirit has been intimately involved in the affairs of this formless, vacant, useless, almost chaotic, disorderly, disjointed earth ever since the beginning. Can I tell you simply this? The point I'm trying to make is, ever since day one, this earth to some extent has experienced purposelessness, vacancy, emptiness, uselessness. But ever since day one, God, through His Spirit, has been wanting to bring about filling, change, transformation. It's almost as though a picture here is evolving of darkness, chaos, uselessness, and you see that the entire planet is engulfed in water. This is not a science lesson. I'm just trying to paint a very general picture for you. The earth is for all practical purposes useless. And God said, uh-uh, I want to do something in that earth, but I'm going to do it through my spirit. Saints, if you're experiencing emptiness, formlessness, uselessness, vacancy, darkness, guess who is involved right there hovering and wanting to bring about light, transformation, and life, and the purposes and the plans and the destiny of God? The Spirit of God. Amen! Amen. You can't say to me, but I'm in such darkness, God will want nothing to do with me. You're exactly the person He wants to do something with. We call that the gospel. Amen! We're all a bunch of hooligans. You know that that's Hebrew for the Greek word of the Russian rendition of sinner. <laughs> we're all a bunch of hooligans. And yet, while we were yet sinners, while we're yet chaotic and confused and wandering and drifting and broken and even, yes, dark, lost, dead, by His Spirit, He's been at work within you. You can't say God doesn't want anything to do with me because I'm so sinful, I've so blown it, I've so missed it. You're wrong! Ever since day one, God's been wanting to work also in your useless, vacant, purposeless, empty, whatever dark life you and I may say we've had. God's not afraid of your darkness. I want you to follow with me real briefly. Let me show you initially a few things that the Spirit of God is going to do here, just in this chapter. Notice that the Spirit of God is hovering. The picture there is of a hen, if you will, hovering over her chicks, or let's say her, 
her, her brood, or let's say her eggs. Why the hovering to hatch, to bring forth, to manifest? And so the Spirit of God has been hovering over your life. However chaotic, however useless or purposeless it might come across, the Spirit of God is right there hovering. And He's wanting to hatch something for God in your life. Now, He's hovering here, and I want you to notice now a few things that the Spirit of God is going to do. I want to read for you chapter 1 here and there just a little bit, and then I want to summarize it on the screen here. So follow with me. The Spirit of God is hovering. Verse 3. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light, and God saw that the light was good. But notice verse 4. God separated the light from the darkness. If you've got a Bible, I would encourage you to circle that word, separate it. Your Bible may use the word, God divided the light from the darkness. Is everybody with me? Just notice that word separation or division, okay? So it says, He called the light day, He called the darkness night. There was evening, there was morning, or there was uh, day one. If you read on in verse 6, it says, God said that the... uh, the heavens, in a way, should separate from the firmament. My Bible would say the expanse is wanting to separate from the waters. Notice in verse 7. So he made the expanse and he separated the waters which were under from the waters which were above. Okay, this is not a science lesson, geological lesson, how all this happened. I want you to hear in just a minute the prophetic type and shadows that are pictured here. But I want you to notice there in verse 7, if you will, it says he separated. That is, he caused a division between the waters above and the waters below. Is everybody with me? I'm going to show you the prophetic uh, innuendo there in just a minute. So uh, he called the, the waters above, he called heaven Um, Obviously, below it's earth, and it says in verse 8, it was evening, it was morning, the second day. So, look at verse 9. He says here, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. Here, God's going to cause another separation. He's going to take the watery mess here on the earth, and He's going to separate land from water. There's another division coming, another separation coming. So if you look at verse 10, the dry land is now called the earth, and the gathering of the waters he called the seas, and God saw that it was good. Is everybody still with me? Is everybody still with me? I'm just reading the flannel graph story that you heard 20 years ago. It's kind of like revisiting that for a second. Um, Look at verse 11. So he says, I want the earth now to sprout, to bring forth grass and herbs and fruit trees and things according to their kind. It was evening, it was morning, the third day. Look at verse 14. This is now the fourth day. So God uh, brought forth in the heavens now the sun, and he brought forth the moon and the stars. And he goes into all of that. Follow along with me here to uh, verse 20. 
So it says now, in the waters, God's going to bring forth fish, schools, and multiplicity uh, of living animals. If you look at verse 21, the great sea creatures in, in every living thing that moves in the waters, God's going to bring that forth. If you look at verse 22, God's going to multiply the bringing forth of life in the ocean. Verse 23, it was evening, it was morning, the fifth day. If you read on in verse 24, you'll see on the sixth day, God's going to bring forth land animals and birds and so forth and so forth. Um, you get to verse 26, you see that God's going to bring forth now ultimately a man and a woman in his image. And then you will see that on the seventh day, God is going to rest. Look here on the screen and allow me to take this flannel graph story that we heard perhaps in some distant Sunday school lesson. And let me put a prophetic vision to it as to what the Holy Spirit did initially in the book of Genesis. And I dare say might even want to do in your life this day. This day. Genesis, God said, let there be and there. The first thing that the Spirit of God will work in your life, the first thing that He wants to hatch, the first thing that He wants to form, grow, is light. Light. Let me write it here on the uh, screen. Somehow we pick up a picture that in Genesis, the condition of the earth was, was chaotic, it was dark, it was watery, it was in a way formless and just a mess. There's the Spirit of God. And the first thing that God wanted to introduce into this darkness was what? Light. In spirituality, we call this revelation. Revelation. That is, the Spirit of God wants to turn the lights on in your life, just like He did back in the Genesis account. And after all, you were taken from the earth, were you not? If God did it to the earth, earth, He did it as a pattern to you who came from the earth. So in this chaotic earth, God said, I need light. And when He brought you forth, the thing that the Spirit of God wants to do initially is to shine into your being. Shine into your being. That is, illuminate, enlighten, reveal. Paul would pray in the book of Ephesians and he says, I pray that the Spirit of God would enlighten you. Enlighten the eyes of your understanding. That God would reveal Himself to you. And saints, let me say to you, the thing that you and I desperately need in our day and age is not for the Google to enlighten us but for Almighty God through the Spirit.
to enlighten us. You will notice that unless the Spirit of God turns on the lights inside of you, no argument ever will. No Google account ever will. No book is good enough to turn on the revelatory light inside of you to see. Light belongs to God. And if you and I want to see, just like the hymn would say, you remember, I once was blind, but now I? That's the first thing that the Holy Spirit will do in you. After all, that's how you and I come to confess Jesus to Christ. Guess what the Holy Spirit did? He switched on the lights in you that Jesus is the Messiah. He convicted you. He hovered over you. He stirred you. He wooed you. He moved you. And all the while, He was painting for you who the Son of God was. He was painting for you the light of all light. And that's the very first thing that the Holy Spirit did. But saints, we've got to move beyond. You'll see in a minute, the Spirit is going to move to more light. And you will have a frustrating walk with God if you don't have light in your being. You know how many Christians I meet that have no idea who the person of Almighty God is. They don't know Almighty God because the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, No man knows what's in the spirit of another man. Even so, no one knows what is in the heart of God except the Spirit of God who reveals Him. See, I've lived with my wife now for 19 years. I'm still trying to get to know kind of like what's in her heart. And I live with her. And Paul is so spot on when he says no man knows what's in the heart of another man, in the spirit, in the core, in the depth of another man. If I don't even know what's in your heart, how will I ever know what's in God's heart? How will I ever understand the person of God? And let me tell you one thing. You and I live in a culture today where we are so confused about the person of Almighty God. Have you noticed lately that everybody has an opinion about Him? Yet hardly do we have a revelation about Him. Saints... Only the Spirit of God knows the core of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. But Paul says, You did not receive the Spirit of the world, but you did receive the Spirit of God, whereby you can know Him. You see, unless you walk in the Spirit, unless you are filled with the Spirit, unless the Spirit hovers over you to bring forth light in your being, you will walk in in a frustrating walk with God. Why? Because you will want to know Him, but you will never get there. And so you know what people do? Is they go to the Google, and they go to books, and they try to reason God out. Have you noticed that you will never, ever reason God out? I'll give you an example. There should be no reason for any of you to be here this weekend. Doesn't make sense. You should be at a football game. You should not be here with other saints seeking God. That doesn't make sense. You will never figure God out through your natural mind. You need the hovering spirit, the baptizing spirit, the filling spirit 
to do a work of enlightenment in you. Do you know how many Christians I've met that have zero understanding? And I mean this with all respect. They don't have a clue what God is doing in the universe. Because it's all about me. And the only person that can reveal to you what is going on in the grand eternal scope of the purposes and the plan and the burden of God's heart's desire is the Holy Spirit. And if you don't let Him hover over you, you chase Him away, you ignore Him, you diss Him, you grieve Him, you disobey Him, then you will never partner with the purposes of God because you'll never know it. I see so many people who cannot walk with God. They, they are clueless as to the way of God. They only know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life, but they dare not even follow that way because they're ignorant of it. Why? Because the Spirit never gets to sort of shine the light of the purposes of God in them. And they read this Bible, but it's boring to them. They can't see. If you're not filled with the Spirit, if the Spirit is not baptizing you and immersing you in the heart of God and in the mind of God and in the nature of God, no wonder the Bible is a closed book for you. Boring, dry, irrelevant, outdated. But you get filled with the Spirit. You allow the Holy Spirit to bring the light of God into your being. All of a sudden, things will jump off the page and you see and everybody else is like, what? Let me Google that. You're like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> You don't have hardly utterances for this. Notice a person who has revelation in their being. A person who can see, but not with the eyes of understanding or IQ or, let's say, education. All those things are, although it's valuable, I've got quite a few books. But the Holy Spirit wants you to see on a level that only He can illuminate you. And saints, that's what this weekend is about. The first thing of the Spirit of God is to bring about light and the person of God, the purposes of God. And He's also giving light as to my own person. Do you know that you can do all these personality things and all these assessments that we actually even do at our school? Yeah, people are weird. You do all this stuff for them and they're still confused about themselves. So insecure. So intimidated. They constantly need us to affirm and encourage, and we love doing that. But one word, one light bulb going off in your being of who God says you are, your entire life will be different. You don't need a counselor. You need the counselor. You don't need to Google, you need God. And yes, we facilitate these things too, and we enjoy it. But I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit can hover over your confusion. 
and speak one word of a light bulb light revelation. Trust me, I was that confused young teenager. And I have never been the same in my person. My wife says I'm quirky, and I confess. There's more that the Holy Spirit has to shine on, transform. But yeah, he's at work. The Holy Spirit is at work to bring light into your being. As we read onwards there in um, the book of Genesis, the next few things that's going to happen, I want to sum up with one word. And let me explain before I write that word here on the screen. It says in your Bible that, you know, under the hovering spirit of God, God separated the light from the darkness. And he caused the division between light and darkness. Everybody with me? Division, a demarcation, a line, and he put light over here. Again, I don't know what that looked like back in that time, but I get the prophetic overtone. God wanted light to be light, darkness to be darkness, no confusion here, no mingling. And what I want you to see, what the Spirit of God is doing here in the book of Genesis, he's drawing a line, a separation and he's polarizing light from darkness. Another thing that happens here is that the whole earth in some way was enveloped in water. And it says that God gathered the waters above and he gathered the waters beneath. And again, there's the word. He separated. He caused a division between what is heavenly and what is Earthly. Is everybody with me? It's almost like you might say God cut between light and cut between darkness. God cut between the heavens and he cut, separated from the earth. Then you'll notice also as you read a little bit, God did another separation. The waters on the earth, he cut and he separated from the land. So he separated the land over here and he separated the waters over here. The word that I want to write down for you. This is the work of the Holy Spirit, is to separate. In spiritual language, we call that consecration. In a way, this is the work of the Spirit of God. You'll see that when you're filled with God... When you're baptized and soaked up in the nature of God, when God is alive and well in your being, you'll see that light is light and darkness is darkness. God's people are to be known as the children of the light. And this is the work that the Holy Spirit wants to do, is to separate dark things in you and bring about light in you. That is the truth of God versus falsehood. The way of God versus the way of the world and sin and Satan and self. Saints, 
It also says there that God separated the waters above from the waters beneath. And he called the above heavenly and the, the below he called earth. That is, you'll notice that if the Holy Spirit does a work within you, he's going to begin to separate what is of God from that which is of the world. And you'll see you begin to have an affinity for the things of heaven versus the earth. You'll begin to seek God's will, God's way, God's glory. There was a separation. And I see so many of us that walk with God, but we're sort of in a mess still. And the Holy Spirit is saying to folk, come out, come out, walk away, renounce, repent, leave. And Christians don't do it. Why? I was in a particular place recently and doing some ministry. And I cannot count on my... <laughs> I just don't have the brain capacity to count. How many folk told me, I know that if I give my life to God, it's going to ask me to change. That is, live in the light versus the dark. I don't want that. I know that if God comes into my life, He has a will for me, and I'm going to have to give up my will. Number one, they don't have light as to how good God really is. And he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You remember that saying? We just don't have revelation of the purposes of God. Because if you do, you'd be glad to follow his will. You'd be excited to, 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 to worship God, to obey. So I have all these folk tell me, ah, I know he's going to ask a lot of me. They refuse to be separated. They refuse to let the things of heaven lord in their life versus the things of earth. In other words, in spiritual language, they refuse to consecrate themselves and cross over. No, they want to live in this lukewarm condition. A little bit in the world, a little bit in God. Mostly for self, for God on Sunday. And if you live such a mixed life, the Holy Spirit wants to do a work of cutting. That is separation. Is everybody with me? It also says there, if you read on a little bit, it says that God took the earth and separated it from the water. So he said, this is now land and this is water. Again, three separations from light, darkness, from the water above to the water uh, beneath, and then you see from the land and the oceans. Sunday school lesson, we never give that any thought. But therein is the prophetic innuendo of what that hovering spirit is doing. Let me ask you, how are you doing nowadays with the will of God, the speaking of God, the truth of God? Or do you live such a compromising lukewarm, here a little, there a little, mostly me, sometimes God life. I've got news for you. The Holy Spirit wants to work. And one of the things He wants to do this weekend is cause you to be separated from darkness, cause you to be separated from the earthy. God wants to do a consecration work in your life. Amen? Amen. Okay, the next thing as you read, and 
You'll jump around there in Genesis chapter 1 and he says there, um, God wanted to bring forth grass. And he wanted, not for smoking. Every... <laughs> he brought forth grass, brought forth seeds, and brought forth trees. That's certain people's favorite passage in the Bible right there. What you need to read there is that God brings forth life that can reproduce, that can grow. And it starts off with grass that's sort of low-level life, but it's nevertheless life. There's life in the grass. <coughs> the trees, there's life, and it can produce, it can grow. And then as you read on, you see God wants to bring forth fish in the ocean, a life in the ocean. He wants to bring forth life in the sky. And He wants to bring forth life on the planet. Everywhere you look, under your feet, in the air, on the earth, and in the ocean, every which way, God is bringing forth life, abundant life, multiplicity, diverse life. The one word that I want you to see here is that God, by His Holy Spirit, is bringing forth vitality, energy, fruit, multiplication, influence. That fish is now swimming through all that ocean and influencing that body of water with life, this one thing. The birds in that lifeless sky are flying around manifesting life. Even under your feet, there is life every which way you look. The earth is just crawling with life. And it speaks of vitality. It speaks of energy. And I want to tell you, people for whom the Holy Spirit turns on the lights and continues to up the brightness, you'll see that those people want to give themselves to God. They want to separate themselves and live exclusively for the Lord. And you'll see that those people who are after the will of God, who seek first the kingdom of God. They are sold out in an uncompromising way to the plans and the purposes and the heart and the burden of God. You'll see that those people, they live. Even though they get strung up and crucified, burned at the stake, yet they're alive. They're vital. They're full of energy. Nothing is a bother for these people. Nothing is a slip. Why? They have revelation. They see. They know God. They know the purposes of God. They understand their place in God's economy. They want to give themselves to God. And you'll see these people, they just swarm with life. They multiply with life. They bear fruit. When they fly in the airplane, they're alive. They scuba dive down in the ocean, they're alive. They cut the grass. The key word here is that this earth now under the hovering spirit is just swarming, vital, energy, alive. It's well. It's reproducing. 
It's manifesting. It's multiplying. And you'll see Christians who are filled with the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, baptized in the Spirit. You'll see they're just energetic people. It's just a joy to be around these folk. They never burn out. We're at waters, just, it just keeps coming. They're, they're, they're never, they're, they don't have this mentality, feed me, huh? Hey, somebody, can they have like a little cup of water? Rivers of water flow out of these folk. God feeds them with heaven, they, they, like they get the bread from heaven. Not from the earth. They drink from the heaven. There's always energy in these people. They love doing God's will. Nothing is a sacrifice. Nothing is a burden. Amen. <laughs> I want to live that way. <clears throat> Anybody else want to live that way? Yeah. What's up with this thing where we're supposed to have revival? Uh, I guess it's that time of the year again. It's time for revival. Okay, we got to get vived. Listen to me. If you're living in your flesh, you're trying to figure this thing out, you're living for yourself and your own kingdom and your own glory and your own way, yes, you burn out, you need revival. But you get baptized in the Spirit. We'll talk about that tomorrow. It's not what you think. It's that and a lot more. You will never burn out. That's a promise from God. You will never thirst. You will never hunger. Either he's a liar or you and I's experience is not according to his reality. Just saying. The Spirit gives light. That is revelation. The Spirit separates. That is consecration. The Spirit brings forth life. That is vitality, multiplicity, energy. The Spirit also brings forth there, you'll read in the account, on the fourth day, the sun appears. The moon. And stars. A lot of prophetic innuendos there, but suffice it to say, on the fourth day, there is a greater light than the light of the first day. Remember day number one, let there be light? Well, on the fourth day, there's light again. But it's what we would say is intensified light, deeper light. It's now the light of the sun. There's the light of the moon, and there's the light of the stars. I want to submit to you that as the Holy Spirit gains ground in you initially and causes you to see, and you, you respond to the light of God, you respond to the truth of God, you begin to obey the speaking of God, you receive the leading of God. You'll see the Holy Spirit is going to immediately lead you to consecration, holiness, separation, to be set apart. You'll see that when you live a life that is consecrated, immediately you will find just life, expression, vitality, and a joy doing the will of God. Your food begins to be the will of God. You'll see that. But you'll see that as this rhythm progresses, there is an intensification. You'll see on the fourth day, there's the shining of the sun. And I want to tell you that sun represents Almighty God. 
there is a deeper revelation. There's a deeper knowing. There's a brighter shining of God. Paul would say, for instance, we grow from glory to glory to glory. I want to know Him, Philippians 3 verse 10, more and more. And you'll see, you won't get to the more of God, the deeper of God, the depths of God, as we would say, if you don't go through this progression. This pattern is set up in Genesis as a prophetic type and shadow of some of what God can do in your life. But here's the sun representing Almighty God. Here's the moon, which uh, I submit to you is the reflection of the sun, the body of Christ. You'll see that as you grow with God and the Holy Spirit does a work within you, you'll come into a deeper knowing of God and you'll come into a deeper knowing of the moon that is the reflection of God, which is the body of Christ. Is everybody with me? And there's also the stars, which there's many ways to interpret that, but in a nutshell, the stars represent the saints. Because Paul would say in Philippians chapter 2 that we shine as luminaries in the sky. Talking about the saints. Talking about you and I. This little light of mine. You'll see on the fourth day, there's a deeper knowing of who God is, a brighter shining of God in your life. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. There's a deeper knowing of the moon, the body of Christ, the reflection of God. There's a deeper knowing of the saints, an appreciation, learning from them. It's just a work that the Spirit of God does. You'll notice that another thing that the Spirit of God does is He brings forth a man in His image. This is a work of the Spirit of God. It says there in Genesis chapter 1, Let us make man in our image, and let this man have dominion, and let him have authority, and let him rule, and let him reign over the birds, and over the land animals, and over the ocean. Let this man multiply and have children, and God blesses this man. Beloved, that is a work of the Spirit of God. God brings forth this man in His image. This man has God's authority. This man can bear fruit and multiply. This is a God-man, a man of God, a Christ-like person. And it's a work of the Spirit of God. So it says there in Genesis that the Spirit of God is hovering. Then God says, let there be light. And boof, the Spirit comes in and separates light from darkness. That's the first thing He wants to do in your life. How clear are you today about the things of God? How confused are you about the things of God? That is not something that the Google will address. The Spirit of God Himself wants to do that work. That's why we would challenge you, open your heart this weekend. You'll see the second thing. Woof, the Spirit of God comes in. Separates light, separates darkness. Separates the heaven water, the earthy water. Separates the land, separates the ocean. There's a separation work. He wants to do that in your life today. Do you fully belong to God tonight? Or are you sort of seesawing your way through this? 
And you'll see that if you live a compromising life, you will not live. You die. For if you sow to the flesh, you will die. You cannot be a double-minded man, the book of James would say. You cannot be a little bit in the world and a little bit in God. Friendship with the world makes you an enemy of? That's First John. So the Holy Spirit wants to draw a line in your life and separate you from whatever He convicts you of. Amen! And you'll see that if you take that line, you will have energy to live for God. Endless passion. You'll walk with purpose and with destiny. Most folks just want destiny and vitality for themselves, but they're not willing to consecrate themselves to God. How about you? Are you one of those fence riders? Or are you fully separated unto God? You'll see there that God intensifies. He, he brings the sun. He brings forth the moon. There's a lot to say there, but I just call it intensification. That is, there's deeper, more, to bring about a man in his image. Now, all of us are fallen creatures. We all have hiccups and problems and issues. Quirks is the Hebrew word. And yet it says in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3 that we can be transformed from one degree of glory to another just as by the Spirit of the Lord. It's the Spirit of God that changes us into this God-man, this God-image that God has in store for us. Christ-likeness, we call it. And what is the image of the God-man? It's simply that He reflects God, He has the authority of God, and He is a person that can multiply, have influence, bear fruit, a fruit-bearing life. That's, we call it the fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> hey, we know each other now. Let's finish each other's sentences. Come on. When you begin to multiply God on this earth and you speak for God and you live for God and you manifest God and you bear fruit, we call that what? The fruit of the flesh? The fruit of the Spirit. Spirit. And here's a man that God says, hey, go live, go rule, go have authority. How will you guys overcome issues and have dominion and have authority unless the Spirit of God works that in you? Holy Spirit does a work of light. He does a work of separation. He does a work of life, vitality. He does a work of intensification. No shallowness here. There's more light, more revelation. He does a work of growing you into a man and woman of God with the image of God and the authority of God and bearing the fruit of God. And then on the seventh day, it says that God rested. There's a lot to be said here, but I want to wrap it up by just saying, God did not rest on the seventh day because He was tired. Whew, I better take a break. Come on, you know, 
God did not rest because he was fatigued. Rested simply means he ceased from further work. At that time, God's work was completed. Can you follow with me? And that's the thing that all of us long for is for God to complete his work in us. That's what your heart is really aching for. And that's why you and I are restless. So God wants to work in you and work and work and work and work. And of course, it's going to take a lifetime. But he's working towards this place of glorification, which is the Sabbath rest, which is where God stops and he says, I have light. Things are orderly and separated. There's swarms of everything. There's the the light of the sun and the moon and the stars. There's an intensification. And, and, And I've got my man, my man, my woman in my image. My authority. They can bear fruit and I've blessed them. And God said, now what else can I do in them? Well, what else can I do? Uh, uh, I'm done. And God rests when he has a man in his image. And can I tell you, this is the grand goal of the work of the Holy Spirit within you, is to bring you into the image of Jesus Christ, into the authority of Almighty God, and into a life of fruit bearing. And at that time, God's at peace, God's at rest, God's, hey, nothing more. So until you are a person in the image of God, until you are a person of the authority of God, and until you bear as a lifestyle the fruit of the Spirit, God will be at work within you. Amen.